Welcome to We Call It Soccer, a podcast by two United fans. I'm Colin. I'm Notch. And I'm Caleb. This week, we answer all your burning questions. Was Saturday perfect for Minnesota fans? Are Jesse's art historian ways over? And is Mo Salah the Egyptian god of football? So one of my favorite new podcasts to listen to, don't worry, it's not soccer related at all. It's uh, called the Best Bad Movie Podcast. And it's, uh, so the host, Tom and Dave, invite one of their friends on and they defend their favorite movie, which is usually bad. And I just wondering if you were on that podcast, what movie would you bring to defend that you, you know, it's bad. The people who are on the podcast know this movie is terrible, but they're trying to defend it anyway. So what movie would you bring that you love, but you know, it's Kind of a piece of shit. I, I got like three of these, Colin. You got one. Springs to your mind. You go first. Boondock Saints. No, I would never defend Boondock Saints. Um, I think the one. <laughs> this I is would, not a bad movie. Go ahead. Uh, it's terrible. <laughs> but anyway, I, I would I would pick Johnny English, Ron Atkinson, ooh. and that's a solid a, choice. Yeah, the, it, it stars also a British comedian who did not come back for the second movie which was very regrettable because i feel like he's one of the best parts of this film ben miller he's part of like this english double act uh who make a lot of funny stuff anyway i, I love this movie it's been critically not very popular 33 percent are on tomatoes but i can watch it any day of the week john malkovich with a terrible french accent natalia imbruglia uh, playing a, I think, Interpol agent and Drone Atkinson being just this slapstick doofus. I thought it was wonderful. So I will defend it any day of the week. I think kind of going in the shitty but also brain turn off sort of mold, Gone in 60 Seconds, the Nick Cage remake. <laughs> because not only does that have... It's an understated performance by Nick Cage, but it's still Nick Cage. It's got Giovanni Ribisi, who is the great actor that is in all of those terrible movies. And it's got a shit ton of car chases. I didn't and even know really there was... fancy cars. It's it's great. I didn't even know there was an original, like, 74 film. Yeah, uh, Stephen that's, Quinn. That's pretty crazy. I need to watch that now. I, you know, in a, in a similar mold, another one that I would pick would be Fast and Furious, like the original Fast and Furious movie. I'd, I mean, that one's canonically revered as a good bad movie. The whole entire series is pretty, are, is pretty much good bad movies, except like they've got stunningly high reviews. Most of them, it's very strange. Really? Yeah, but like the very first one, The Fast and Furious, two thousand one, fifty three percent Rotten Tomatoes. I mm-hmm. think that's that can that's. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So mine would be The Perfect Score. It's a high school movie of group of high schoolers don't steal the SAT. Yes, okay. I remember that. Um, it stars a former best NBA basketball player, Darius Miles, who mumbles through his, his lines. It's, We've talked about this on the pod. You yeah. mentioned him before. And uh, he's also in Van Wilder. Really? Yeah. I'll um, take a closer look now. Yeah. Van uh, Wilder. He's a... I think he's a He's like in two or three movies because his career ended very prematurely. But also in the group of friends that steals SAT answers is Scarlett Johansson and Chris Evans. Wow. Like Whoa. some of their first... Avengers right. Yeah, exactly. So it's like a prequel. Remember that time when Captain America and Black Widow stole the answers to the SAT? I mean, like yeah. you would expect the X-Men kids to have stolen it, but sure, Captain America, Black Widow actually... But it does the, make sense. Like they're the only two that I think have. Well, there's, uh, one of the girls was on Parenthood, the TV show, and I think mm-hmm. the other two people in the group were, or the three, have done nothing since, pretty much. Gotcha. But I loved the movie as, as a kid in high school, watching it. That was one of the best movies ever. And I kn- now I know that it's bad, but I, I still kind of love watching it. Well, if you're listening to this, go watch those movies. Something else that you should go and do is leave us some iTunes reviews. We got about eight since our last episode because we offered you two options. If we if we hit the 50 review mark on iTunes, we will get Jeff Ruder back on this pod as a guest star. If we hit 100, we will do a live show. Your reviews will tell us if it's worth our time to schedule Jeff, if it's worth our time to go and book a venue 
So, so leave us some iTunes reviews and we will, we will make those two happen again. 50 for Jeff, 100 for getting a live show. Also, next week, Caleb probably isn't with us. He'll be no, in Mexico. I, I absolutely will not be with you guys. Yeah. I'll be in Mexico leaving this Friday, coming back next Thursday. Don't know if you might get uh, stuck there because of the wall that's apparently going to come up. Um, not really sure. No, I'm we'll bringing see. a ton of rope with me. Okay. I'm just going to climb over. It's fine. Also, ladders. Ladders yeah. are good too. And yeah. snakes. Snakes go with ladders, I believe. Yeah. According to some board games. I, I don't know why. Like, what would Shoots. you do? Yeah, Shoots. shoot some ladders. Yeah. What would you do with a snake and a ladder? Like, would you use the snake, like, throw the snake as some sort of, like, coiling apparatus? So you, like, take the snake. I picture be like, you know, the, the Flintstones where all animals are tools. Uh-huh. So I just have yeah. a snake from that and I'd tie it up there and climb up it and I'd be like, it's a living once, <laughs> once I pass. So. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I'm going to try that. Uh, so if I don't come back for next week, it's because I'm dead. So don't climb wow. the snakes. Yeah. And also um, don't die. Yeah. I'll try. I'll try. Yeah. This, this took a really dark turn all of a so sudden. So snakes, snakes eat birds and loons are birds. <laughs> so let's move on to talking about our loons in a segment that we call loon monitoring. Loon monitoring, of course, being the we call it soccer segment in which we discuss Minnesota United FC who won this past week. It was beautiful. This was probably my favorite Minnesota United game day since 2014. Like end to end, really? pregame, postgame, weather, gameplay, goals, opponent, the 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 section and how it sang, the tifo. I mean, this was the complete package. Like there was not a single thing that was bad about that day. Attendance yeah. was great. Yeah, I can't yeah. think of anything. Weather either. was fantastic. I mean, yeah, the tifo was by the best tifo our supporters section has ever unveiled i would say and colin and i helped yeah there you go not we, uh, with making it or anything but like pulling we, it up once you're yeah, done we, yeah waving it around so do you yeah. see how it disappeared really awesomely that was us this and like eight other people was made by the sloppy offensive loons fan and lion david, david zeller on their failing no not the failing because we've got another failing podcast the lame dave's i know podcast by the loser dark clouds and the lame true not lead, they all co worked together and made this awful TIFO. People are saying fantastic folks. TIFO. And yeah, it, was it was great. great. It was really great. Harder, <laughs> um, better, faster, stronger. Uh, to the Josh from Death Punk wearing loon jerseys with wings. The wing came The wing came back. So I thought that was a nice little nod and wink to it was. older fans and. Hopefully the team noticed. And hey, speaking of a nice wink to older fans, Miguel Ibarra played as a number 10. As is, did so, he, though? I mean, he, he started in that spot when the game started, but he he's a, he's a very unconventional number 10. If you look at his heat map, it kind of looks like the number 10 spot is the one place he didn't spend any time. But this is something Bruce McGuire, he of the Dunard football show back in the day, on that podcast many years ago, I still remember, repeated episodes where he'd say, Move Manny off the wing, or oh Miguel God. off the wing, Manny. Put him in the center where you used to have him. Get him back. Because Manny Lagos put Miguel out wide. Klinsman put Miguel out wide. Adrian Heath then put Miguel out wide. Miguel doesn't play as well out wide as he does in the center. His whole shtick is that he is everywhere on the pitch Yeah, when you play him centrally. He plays like a man possessed, and he was all over the pitch. I think Adrian Heath said after the game that if the pitch had been grass, there wouldn't be a blade that he didn't touch. He was this marauding up and down the field, and it was fantastic to see him do that. I feel like it's surprising that it's taken this long for Heath to put him not on the wing, given the fact that Minnesota plays a very contained offense. Like, you don't have too many switches of the field unless it's trying to be a killer ball in. You typically have three or four guys within 10, 15 yards of each other. That's precisely what Miguel was doing all game, and he excelled for it. I think there were whispers that Kevin Molino out actually helped rather than hurt us, and it's hard for me not to see that because the other thing that we got with Ibarra playing centrally was that old-school Ibsen, Ibarra, Ramirez trio that we saw in the NASL days which worked so well and and it, guys, it was incredible yeah, they've been playing together for three 
maybe four seasons. I don't know. Ramirez and Ibarra since for 2014, yeah, and, then, and then Ibsen in 2015. Yeah, and so Ibarra left halfway through. Yeah, but they have a long time of building that chemistry, and you can see that on the pitch. Uh, whenever there's a long ball to Ramirez, he knew where Ibarra was going to be and tried and try to get him that ball. That's what led to our, set, our the game winner. Whether there's a ball off to Ramirez, he finds uh, Ibarra in one yep. touch, and we're off to the races, and Nicholson scores the game winner. And Ibsen had his, not just because he scored, but he had his best game as a loser. Bow before him, mere mortals. Bow before Ibsen. <laughs> Pray to your Lord and God. One week after clearing the ball off the line with the outside of his fo- foot, he scores with the other with the inside of his foot. On, I, a, rebound on a rebound from the keeper. From a header that he... Tra- it, 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 the man is... Ageless at this point, it seems yeah. though, and in more ways than one. You remember, I mean, so there are some dad bod jokes made about Ibsen, but at the end of this game, he actually pulled his shirt up, revealing his abs, and he is stacked, boys. Like, yeah, I had to fan myself. Like, who am I? Yeah. Oh wow! I just went and got some laundry from home. Be like, hey, you mind just sitting by the water? That I want to wash these on your abs. Like, <laughs> dude is ah, he is a god among men, and the equalizer. Though. We need to talk about that one. Because it, it, some mistakes. Do we want to talk about it? I think briefly. Do we want to talk about it given how much we revered Ibsen and then he proceeded to yeah, no. pinball it back and forth off of himself and Boxel? Boxel and Ibsen both messed up on the play. Other than that one moment, which did lead to an opposing goal, they had fantastic games. Boxel had three key tackles in the first half that just snuffed out shadow attacks. Um, him and Calvo were just on point all game. Jerry and Tyrone were on point all game. Jerry Tyrone had a rocky start to the season. Yeah. And they were just locked in at home. Yeah. Uh, Tyrone Mears, especially uh, at least one really critical challenge in the first half where he had to track back quite a ways. That seemed to be his issue against San Jose. It, didn't pop up as much against Orlando, but you know the fact that he was able to do both offensive and defensive work was fantastic to see. Mears did go off with a non-contact injury, now revealed to be a cough strain, I believe. Day-to-day is what you were saying, Colin? Uh, yeah, according to the reports from training today, um, day-to-day they initially thought he could be out a month, so... That's a lot better than a month. That's like um, possibly 29 days better. Since we're going backwards with the goals, we should mention Ibsen, of course, the reason I was asking about him, scored the first goal of this game for Minnesota United FC. We also had a few other players making some pretty notable appearances. Uh, Schuller was... had a a ball-winning midfielder and was... Fantastic in that role. He snuffed out multiple attacks from Chicago. And although his passing wasn't always there, you can see that chemistry he's building up with Ibsen already in just three games this season. Yeah. Um, the loan spell last year definitely did loads of help with his game. Yeah, and, I mean, the fact that he was able to get back playing with a, a high-functioning outfit with HJK, I think that gave him the confidence that he needed to actually perform each portion of his game unlike kind of how we were concerned about him early on last season bastian schweinsteiger not traveling with the chicago fire because he got engaged or something no, his wife gave birth ah that's right i saw the rings i didn't see but under the hand was a baby apparently in the photo <laughs> so yes um uh, turns out bastian schweinsteiger knew nine months in advance to make sure that he had an excuse to not play on turf. True. And I want to give a quick shout to Richard Sanchez. I thought he was okay for Chicago and yeah. gold. He made it's some... Fine. There was some very uh, edge-of-the-seat edge of the seat moments for uh, Minnesota United in the first half where we almost scored and Richard Sanchez was able to, like, fingertips save the ball out and, and do some heroics. But the Chicago defense not looking as good as their keeper. No, not at all. Um, Brandon Vincent, uh, I thought he was, was okay when I, right after the game, when I watched replay of the game at home, and he was terrible. 
usually a solid left back for um, Chicago, but Ethan Finley torched them all night. And uh, Medell, both of our goals came from that uh, that side where Brent Vincent was supposed to be defending. Yeah. Uh, Sam Nicholson also scored the game winner. Probably could have had two, maybe even three, with the way he was playing. A couple of chances on goal only to be denied by Richard Sanchez. You know, we've been talking about the gameplay. Quick word about the stands. We had some great supporter section loudness, I thought, with um, True Not Elite and Dark Clouds working well together. Mill City Ultra's in there too. Other uh, unnamed supporters groups that have all popped up on Twitter with each Fist of their the own account. Yeah. We, we, we no, had... Fist of the North Star are like actually a thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, th- They're great. We were very loud and the rest of the stadium picked it up on occasion. And I think in general, you saw the power of the Scarves Up Minnesota um, campaign that Minnesota United has been leading, which yeah. I think the the kind of cynical interpretation of that could be that it's kind of the team encouraging something the supporters came up with. But I, uh, and I've heard a couple of people mention that in the lead up to this match, but you really saw what it led to, which is that the supporters have always done it. We've always enjoyed it. And there's a team saying, this is something we love and we want the rest of our fan base to know about it. And guess what happened? Everyone had their scarves up on corners before the game. Whenever they saw the supporters putting their scarves up, they had theirs up too. I'm just going to throw this out there. Maybe the team should actually promote things that the supporters come up with because it leads to the rest of the fan base picking up on it and turning the rest of the stadium. There's 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 a fine line there, and it's it's been crossed on occasion by teams around the world. It's not just the MLS thing. And, and it's kind of one of those fellow kids things where sometimes you see a company on Twitter doing a a reference to a meme and it comes across as Steve Buscemi and 30 Rock wearing walking around high school saying, hello, fellow kids. And other times it comes off as trendy and cool. It just depends, I think, on what the team does. For example, putting up the lyrics on the, sc- on the screen, I think is not just great for the hearing impaired in the um, stadium. It's also great to get the folks singing. Mm-hmm. And this campaign, again, has... I, is there another team in the world where we see this kind of scarf twirling on corners? I don't think so. I think this is distinctive. It is a powerful statement of who we are. So I loved it. Um, just the entire experience, I think, yeah. was great. It was a great yeah. game. And I I noticed it during stoppage time. So I don't know when it started. <clears throat> Sorry. But I looked around the stadium and everyone was standing. And I noticed it during stoppage time, like in the beginning of stoppage time. But I don't know how long that had been going on. So just yeah. to see that in the third game of the season, just people so excited to see a win on their feet cheering is all around the stadium. Twenty three thousand people is I mean, fantastic. Honestly, because uh, my seats are outside the Spurs <coughs> section, so I spent most of the game standing anyway, and it was because other people were standing, and I didn't feel as though like. I didn't feel bad that I was blocking somebody's view like I often do in my section. It just felt like that was the organic thing to do. People were that engaged. People were that fired up for the game. That was everywhere. We got a question on Twitter from Steve Lindley, who asks, I also enjoy Loon's wins along with We Call It Soccer. The question for the pod is, what's the best part of Loon's wins? The best part... Is just that I don't know that feeling of relief and excitement when we've seen Wonderwall. Um, I was talking with my wife after the game. We got home and we were, we watched the rest of the game because we had taped it. And my wife said, "You know, every time we've seen Wonderwall, I tear up a little bit." It's over twenty thousand people seeing the same jet thing because eleven to fourteen players on a pitch did their jobs well enough. And that's and then it's just kind of a thing you can't really put into words really that feeling when thousands and thousands of people are singing this one song for the same reason as much as i wanted to say wonderwall thanks caleb um i will say <laughs> i will say that certain wins do mean a bit more like if there's you know some sort of absolutely amazing turn of events like ramirez beating the cosmos um, for this one, I mean, the fact that it was St. Patrick's Day as a walking stereotype Irish person, um, it was meaningful, but 
I think especially for me, it was the fact that I was there with my dad and I was tracing back some of my genealogy and I realized that on both sides of my family, when my Irish half came to America, they actually settled in Chicago. So being able to, you know, spend St. Patrick's Day with my dad, seeing my favorite team win, and then having that Chicago connection, like, as amazing as Wonderwall was, that actually was the part that got me to cheer up a bit. I think for me, it's just the the feeling after the game where it's a lack of a negative. I find it hard to relax after we lose um, and just to kind of feel good about things. And so just the happiness that everyone, that's on everyone's faces and going about having happy conversations, kind of cheesy, but I enjoy that. I just enjoy the high from, from getting a win. About 200 Chicago fans traveling in. A bit of drama on the Chicago Fire subreddit that you don't really need to worry about. Uh, apparently someone threw a beer at one point. Big whoop. Um, they're dealing with it. We don't. Yeah. All I'm saying is don't don't wade into the drama if you don't. Yeah. If you For the most it. part, Section 08 is a pretty stand-up supporter right, section. Exactly. So yeah. So, yeah. so stay stay away from the drama if you hear about it. Um, and I think that that's about it for Minnesota. Again, though, just uh, from beginning to end, a very happy game day. Uh, yeah. A very pleasant experience in yeah. every single way. And I, I really needed that in my Minnesota United experience to see like just something so positive. Um, I'm going to remember this day for a long, long time. I do yeah. want to take one quick minute to address kind of a funny Twitter meme that showed up where Christian Ramirez apparently liked everybody's tweets saying that he was terrible during the last three games. If you haven't looked at this, Christian Ramirez has kind of tended to do this quite a bit, but there's been a fair bit of criticism that Ramirez has come off to kind of a slow start. Long story short, I looked at his heat maps. It almost seems like he is actually playing as kind of a number 10 rather than a striker role. I can't imagine that it's anything but Adrian Heath telling him, show that you can do this because I want this to be part of your game going forward. Chicago game was actually where he started to get a little bit more out of his shell with it. We'll see if it turns into goals very soon. Otherwise, no, Christian Ramirez is not the worst MLS player in the league. All right, let's talk about the worst MLS player in the league in a segment that we call the Major Listing Service, where we talk about the rest of the games from Major League Soccer. Giassi Zardes playing in Philadelphia Union's draw with the Columbus crew. and I don't mind Giassi Zardes. I like making fun of him, but I don't mind him. Me too. Uh, Zardes, apparently not, not exactly keeping his scoring ways. Um... Two that made high and wide look like an understatement. Two that were directly where the keeper was standing flat-footed. You know, I didn't watch these highlights, although I was excited to because I wanted to see Jesse Zardes miss again. Like, yeah, I you mean, you yeah. you didn't miss much. You saw all of it in 2017. Yeah. Watch any Dallas team from last season. But, like... I feel like I could even watch games that he's not in and still, like, he just come on the pitch, miss a ball, and then... I mean, that happens for most games. Do you not notice that? Yeah, Giassi Zardes is just there. In the 98th minute of the start of Minnesota game, he was there all by his lonesome, just hitting the ball straight to the post. Yeah, there we go. I mean, you didn't see his footprints because he was held up, but... (laughs) DC played Houston in a makeshift field that made us all feel like we were watching an ASL game. Like, legit. Like, this looked like a shittier version of Gary North Carolina. I think it's called the Maryland Soccer Plaques, but the first time that I looked at it, I was like... Wow, Audi it's, Field it's turned like, out really, really wrong compared to the Riders. It's like, it's like that Scooby-Doo thing where they go up to the, the Maryland soccer place, pull the mask off, and it's like, <gasps> FC Edmonton Field? Like, <laughs> what? It didn't help that Houston doesn't have a tit sponsor. So it's like the, some random like training team that they were playing against. It yeah. was really awkward. I mean, it looked like a preseason game in their training tops. Beasley complained that's the worst stadium he's ever played in in his life on Twitter later, but uh, that might be TCF because... TCF is better. TCF is better. It might Woo-hoo! be because DC got the late equalizer. Well, I don't know exactly what it was. 
Yeah, late equalizer in yeah, 90s. Yeah, minute. Yeah, it could yeah, be that. That's pretty late. Yeah. Um, definitely go back, watch Albert Elise chipping David Usted for the first chips it to himself and then scores. And then watch him totally blow the chance to um, make it 3-1 and eventually win the game for Houston. A lot of missed chances for Houston in this game. They should have put it away. They didn't. They lost two points. Another team that uh, lost points, except in this case it was three, was defending MLS Cup champions Toronto going down. Crisis, crisis, crisis in Toronto. No, going they're, they're fine, down guys. to rivals, Montreal 1-0. Or should I say, uh, 2 zero. Or is, is that what zero uh, is? Zero. Um, uh, I don't know. What is zero in French? Zero. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, cool. Do omelette fromage. <laughs> I, <laughs> although I mean, uh, do boeuf. No, not boeuf. Oof. Oof is an egg. Oof. Okay. Although yeah. boeuf is beef, so I I'm fine with either. <laughs> one to beef. <laughs> well, Toronto surely beefed it in this one, guys. Ha cha cha. Um. It, I, I will credit Remy Gard on this one. Um, he kind of outsmarted Toronto. Came out with a 5-3-2, and it, it worked. Toronto wasn't able to get through the defensive line to start. Jason Vargas gets a goal, and then it was basically parking the bus. And it was effective against a really good team. So Toronto seeing... Other teams spending a lot of money, spend a lot of money, and now they're winning. Now if they see, like, Remy Gard doing well against them, I feel like they're going to go and get, like, David Moyes or, like, Big Sam and bring in another ex-Premier League manager. <laughs> no, well, no, that's, that's well, a terrible no, idea. Because here's the David thing. David Moyes is poison. Remy Gard was what happened when they decided not to do the musical chairs version of who's going to be your manager. Yeah. Seriously. Like, Aston Villa hired him from Lyon, right? Yeah. 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 Aston Villa wasn't made a, like the... No, no. I'm saying, but he played in the Premier League. Well, he... No, he and, and I'm saying getting an ex-Premier League manager is what, is what Toronto is going to do. And that's how we end up with David Moyes or like Big Sam or like Tony Pulis or maybe Pep Guardiola. I mean, his I'm next challenge... Like, you know, you have that like Players Tribune. He's he's in there like D-Wade, like my next challenge with Guardiola is like Toronto FC. We just say it's Minnesota United instead. Oh my god, Guardiola ball! It's going to be Alan. The first like English manager over here is going to be Alan Pardew. We know that. Come on, it's it's, it's, it's inevitable. He is on Although, his last legs at West Brom. We'll, he, he'll be we'll, one of the we'll bit, talk about the side fa- dancers on Allianz with but, his, like dance. Moves. But we will talk about the fact that Alan Pardew apparently cannot die yet. Okay, very close. So, uh, anything else we need to talk about this Montreal-Toronto game? I'd say we've probably talked about it enough. Let's talk about New York, who beat Orlando 2-0 without Mr. Villa. I mean, yeah, two terrible plays by Orlando defensively just gifted the Pigeons two goals. We won't know anything about that. <laughs> but, um, for recommendation from Alex Hiverdetter, I listened to The Roar, which is an Orlando City podcast. If you want some serious shot in Freud in your life, listen to them scream at each other about how Orlando is the worst team in the world. It is great. To be fair, I often hear people screaming about to each other about how Orlando is the worst team in the world. Occasionally, last year was filled with how we were the worst team in the world too, but like Orlando mostly. I mean, in, in this week, in this week's episode, they managed to be like, "We lost to Minnesota, the worst team in the league." But ah, no, 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 bitch. We got six points. We're third. Second, we're second place. Third, third place. Third in the West, I thought. Um, second, I thought, second yeah. I, I, second I, I, I looked before some other results had come through. Okay. So yeah, second in the West. So suck it, Orlando. Yeah, that's that sounds like no, no. One. That sounds like a really good way to get an STD. Oh, oh no, no. Oh, Atlanta. No. Speaking of oh no, <laughs> I thought you were going somewhere else with that. Speaking <laughs> no, of, I was about to. <laughs> Atlanta played Vancouver in their uh, butthole, which has those STDs that I thought you were going to refer to there. Oh, uh, that would have been so much better See, than mine. I, uh, I didn't even think of the butthole part. Yeah, okay. So they played they played at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium and won 4-1. Joseph Martinez getting his, I believe, fourth. Fourth hat trick, yeah. which puts him one behind guys like Landon Donovan and a bunch of other people for the MLS record of five. And he's only played something like 19 games. Yeah, but he set a lot of the, his goals against 10 men. I mean, I don't want to caveat it too much. No, no, please uh, caveat it. I, yeah. I, I, will, I will stand for all the, like, 
uh, letting the air out of Atlanta that we can manage today. When I look at Joseph Martinez, I see him scoring goals against 10 men or very inferior opponents like us yeah. last year in the snow opener. Yeah, where, where would Atlanta be without people like us to play? <laughs> Winning well, a game at home, I'll tell you that, because we beat them there. Oh, 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 oh. shots fired. Yes. This might be unpopular, but I think Joseph Martinez is overrated. Totally. Including Atlanta. They're overrated to Georgia State. They're not overrated, stupid. but he is. Hey, hey, hey. Don't put words in this mouth. house, in this house, you know how bo- board games have house rules? This podcast has a house rule. Atlanta sucks. Okay. So Their ha- fans are cool. So I have to say this note you just gave me. <sighs> Atlanta United is the literal butthole of the league. Thank you. Thank you. With and, um, we, there, was, there was a red card in this game that uh, Caleb, you thought wasn't a red. I thought it was It was a red to Tendler Watson um, in the box. So they did the penalty. I thought it was a penalty for sure. Definitely followed them. Yellow. And I thought was would have been fair. Can you describe it? Um, here, he, I'll, I'll describe no, it. No, you didn't describe it wrongly, though. I'll describe it absolutely correctly and the way that it was called and the way that other views in the stadium showed it. Um, Kendall Waston was giving an arm bar to Leo Gonzalez-Perez, which is what you should be doing in the box. He then raises his arm and shoves it back into his face. He never shoves it back. He, he doesn't he shove his elbow at all. It's a yellow... When you hit a dude in the face, it's going to be a red card. And Not it, always the case. Not only this, though. When Waston had his arm on him, Kendall Waston knows exactly what he's doing. That is, having your arm there is a gamesmanship move. Moving it upwards is absolutely an attempt to hit somebody in the face when you know where your arm is on a guy. I'm sorry. Like... He hit him in the face after he had already been been touching him below his head. But above the bell, we should know. We should know. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll talk about other things okay, cool. later. Uh, yeah, but I think it, it's a red card. Either way, it took Vancouver out of the game immediately. They had no chance in this game once that red card was given in, in the ninth minute. Yeah. Um, one bright and shiny moment is. The 17-year-old Alfonso Davies is continuing to be amazing and he, totally unfair. Well, an, another bright and shining moment was even younger Andrew Carlton getting I was, I was a dime of Vancouver. an assist. Oh, yeah. Great assist by Andrew Carlton. Future, hopefully, U.S. men's national team star. Hopefully, I don't change his entire career there. Maybe if he stays Atlanta, maybe I'll just change his entire career. Well, no. Too bad. SKC played San Jose in uh, Kansas City despite using the secondary jerseys. And I finally noticed that they have two dark colored jerseys this year, which is ridiculous. I mean, yeah, like, just when dumb. you thought this whole MLS jersey debate couldn't get any worse, which I'll, I'll go into probably in the pyramid scheme this week uh, when we talk about Minneapolis City's jerseys. Um, but anyway, SKC getting those three goals, including a screamer by... Was that a screamer or just a beautiful goal by Graham Zuzzi? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it, was a it was a screamer. 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 Okay. Godoy yeah. could have done something better, but he decided to fall on his butt and just light up like a tan-tan dancer. When he Chase did that, he... could have done something better except for he ran away from Zuzzi. When Godoy fell over, did he make a song like, Godoy! Like, you know, the cartoon slapstick song. No, he was on... I'm pretty sure that the song was... All right, we're not we're not uh, going to win any awards for our music. Says you. Not, not with that spirit. Anyways, yeah. should we move on to the next um, <laughs> One thing that we should definitely point out, um, go look at Johnny Russell's somersault after he gets cleared out by Andrew Tarlow for the opening penalty. was very lucky to not smash his head slash face slash neck into the turf. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, now it's time for us to take a break. We'll return with the rest of MLS news and much, much more. I've been finally drinking a little bit of LaCroix water. I got a hankering to drink something sweet every now and then and thought LaCroix would be better for you me thought than LaCroix soda. thought LaCroix would be better? Than soda. Don't you want flavor? 
Yeah, it, I mean, it has just a little bit, but I feel like I was... My teeth are also, like, legendarily bad, so I thought soda would be worse. So now I'm, like, in the hordes of people who drink LaCroix, which makes me feel bad, but still... You might be more hipster than I am now. What if... It's I, a pretty I'll, hipster thing to do. I'll go get, like, the Archer Farms version, or, like, the Walmart LaCroix, or, like, I'll drink the design. That's even more hipster water. than actual LaCroix. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So off-brand LaCroix? Yeah, like, it's like most hipster thing you can drink. It, not it, only is there an off-brand Lacroix, but there is also a very hipster label called Secretly Canadian. Oh, okay. Well, uh, with that, let's talk about the off-brand New York soccer team. Um, the uh, <laughs> oh. RSL playing New York Red Bulls and winning the game. RSL did one nil in Salt Lake City. Yep. Uh, VR used to determine Tolas Rivas pulled on David Horse in the in the box on a set piece. Rusnak converted for RSL. Thought you were going to blow my mind there for a second and say Carlos Rivas scored. Again, um, twice in two weeks. Carlos Rivas got the assist, unfortunately, for him. Um, I mean, the pulling was... It started outside the box. He got pulled down inside the box. VAR, that's what VAR is for. Are we sure that there wasn't another box like 40 feet away on the side that like... Well, they drew one. Ah, okay. On the VAR screen, and all the fans got all pissed off about it, and blah, 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 rabble, rabble, rabble. Okay. I mean, yeah, maybe that fine. would have explained why Carlos Rivas was like, hey, I'm going to rugby tackle somebody in the box, but whatever. Continuing the uh, defending MLS Cup participants having trouble this year, that continuing that trend, Seattle lost 3-0 to Dallas in Dallas. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Seattle... Se- seem to be another one of those teams that had CCL fever this past week. I think they also had Montezuma's revenge on the back line, like, universally throughout that game. <laughs> Did it because they were shitty? <laughs> no, because they were shit all over the place. That's what. Oh, okay. Well, it's uh, worse than just that joke, Caleb. They, they were also joke. shit in the CONCACAF Champions League, where they lost 3-0 to Chivas. All three teams that played in the CCL for MLS teams that played in the CCL, lost in the league games they played, but Seattle also lost in the CCL while Toronto and Red Bulls are into the quarterfinals. All uh, league MLS teams also lost their games this weekend that were in the championship. Wait, didn't Chivas, you say, won? Um, I, no, they all... No, Chivas, Chivas drew against... No one won. Yeah, That's nobody won. I think it was Chivas and... It says one of them was. <laughs> it says here stats. <laughs> says here Seattle lost three nil to Chivas. Yeah, and then Chivas yeah. either lost or drew on the weekend. Oh, oh! The All, next every round. team in the yes. Champions League lost this weekend. Lost or drew. My bad. Because Chivas, I believe, drew against whoever New York played. Okay. I was just very confused T- about what you're referring to. So uh, anyway, let's yeah, move T-Wana. on to now a segment that we call the Pyramid Scheme. In the Pyramid Scheme segment, we talk about the rest of the U.S. soccer pyramid that we haven't talked about already. First of all, let's just jump quickly into those MLS, or not MLS, Minneapolis City jerseys I was talking about before, which are gorgeous. Hashtag murder sleeves. The murder sleeves are essentially... Uh, sleeves with silhouettes of crows and it's such a simple concept it looks beautiful i want to point out that we have now seen at least five six seven eight stunning kits from the u.s lower leagues while we've seen steaming piles of hot trash from mls teams this year um top tier sports suppliers like adidas and nike in general just seem to be dropping the ball completely you could argue that some of it's the competition effects like adidas they know that they have the rights to mls for however many years they know that if they put out any kit it's going to sell whereas with i think a lot of these lower league teams they do take that design aspect and say we need to differentiate ourselves we need to have something cool that's going to lead other people to wear our shirt and advertise for us. I think it's also, so from some conversation I've had about this, these high sports suppliers actually have a lot of people working on these boring kits that they pump out. The problem is, in my opinion, 
um, is also in, within the brand management where you go to Minneapolis city owner murder sleeves. They're like, oh, that sounds great. Let's see what it looks like. And it's creative and you just have a quick approval process. Whereas when it comes to Adidas designing a jersey for, forget MLS, like a Manchester United, it has to first go through the, the designer in, a, in probably a pitch meeting. Then it has to actually get to the paper. Then it goes to a second designer. Third, it works up the way through Adidas. Then it gets passed over to the bridge over to Manchester United, where it again passes through three levels. Along the way, everyone's saying, this isn't right with our brand. This isn't right with our brand. This is too much. And when you have too many cooks in a creative pot, you just rough out all the, the or you smooth out all the rough edges, which those rough edges, that's creativity. That's the cool stuff. You make it the most boring, uninspired stuff you can, such as SKC's second jersey, which is a black t-shirt with a few white hoops on this, like one white hoop on each sleeve. And you get monochrome jerseys playing monochrome jerseys as we have in NMLS this year. It's garbage. So I would encourage, um, I mean, I, I appreciate that the lower leagues are putting, making everyone else look bad. I really do. And I hope other teams snap out of it. I, I will say this about the Minneapolis City jerseys, because as a proud owner of the plaid kit, um, I was very thankful that they sent out a new version of it because I am not uh, a beanpole and the initial jerseys were way too tight. They mm -hmm. gladly sent me a new one. Nice. That's another solid reason why you should be looking to the example of the lower leagues. Mm -hmm. They're willing to take care of fans. They're willing to cater to them rather than just say, hey, we know that you're probably going to buy this anyway. I think I think Minnesota United has done a good job on that front this year. But anyway, let's move on now to NWSL, which starts this weekend. It does. Um, so very quick preview. Um, we've talked about some of the different moves. As I've kind of coalesced, I think North Carolina Courage won the Shield last year. They will probably be... In that conversation, best defense already. They added Crystal Dunn. Um, Portland looked strong yet again. Um, Washington Spirit look to be, you know, surging forward with a young attack. They're probably going to be the one that I'll enjoy watching the most next year. Houston looked to be the one with the most problems just because of the ongoing saga of Kristen Press. Um, the Guardian has a really good piece on this. Go check it out. Essentially, it talks about how um, U.S. national team players that were kind of federation allocated had a lot of leeway in terms of saying, I want to play in this market, and teams would trade for them. Um, Kristen Press seems to be the one where some really bad miscommunication means that Houston are unlikely to ever see her set foot on the field moving on to the u.s national team let's go into a segment we call the sewer where we talk about those ninja turtles and national teams the men's national team announcing their roster for their game against paraguay any hot takes uh first new turtles for tim wea and Adrian Novotovic, Shaq Moore, Anthony Robinson, and Eric Palmer Brown. This is a very young roster that uh, Dave Sarajan has put out there. I think the average age is about 23, 24. Yedlin and Wood are the only players with over 15 caps. Sarajan, by the way, given an extension through June, clearly with an idea to recruit some coaches who might have got fired during the World yeah. Cup. Uh, Tyler Adams also be called up. He'll miss this weekend's game against Minnesota United. Bummer. U.S. men's national team um, will play Bolivia in Philly on Memorial Day and send some cool news about a Minnesota Bond player. Uh, Philip Ejimandu, uh was called up for the U-20s matches against um, the France U-20s and Atletico Madrid's U-21s. Uh, he was spotted playing for a team in the Brazilian third division. Um, born in Minneapolis, um, has a uh, Brazilian mother, Nigerian father, um, has said some really, really awesome things about wanting to represent the United States, um, kind of take Brazil as his base to develop. 18 years old, 
seem to be really promising in the 30 seconds of highlights I saw from it. <laughs> pretty cool, pretty cool. All right, now let's move into a segment that we call The Pub, where we have our coverage of English soccer. Each week, we fly to a different pub in the British Isles, as we do. And uh, this week, which pub are we going to? We're going to the Egyptian King, Notch. And I've been here all season. Nice. It is fantastic. I mean, are you are you getting sand in your beer? No, it's good, bro. They have a the 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 Egyptians were a lot more sophisticated than that. So my notes say Barbie Firmino won, Watford zero. Well, yeah, he had one, but Salah had four, because he's the greatest football baller of all time. Not an exaggeration by me. Probably an exaggeration by me, but still, fantastic. Um, I I mm, I just don't know what to say. I can't. I'm just yeah. Most Salah's great. Yeah. Uh, Vodafone in Egypt have announced that every time he scores from now on until the end of the season, their customers will get 11 free minutes added to their accounts. So, good stuff. Stoke beating or getting beat by Everton 1-2 to two, uh, at home. So, that's not good. Snow game. Orange ball. Charlie yeah. Adams somehow being sent off with the stokiest tackle of all time. And then, like, sprinting off the pitch faster than anyone has ever seen Charlie Adams run. <laughs> he definitely did not want to be on that pitch any longer than he had to be. Uh, Stoke looking like they're a favorite to go down. Um, speaking of a, a team kind of in that conversation, uh, Crystal Palace go on the road, beat Huddersfield 2-0. Um, I watched the first half and tweeted, quote, prepping for match day with some Huddersfield v. Palace. Good to see that Mike Dean is terrible, even when it isn't my team being victimized. Just tons of stupid bad calls. Bournemouth beating West Bromwich Albion two to one. Alan Pardew, the only reason he's got a job at this point is that he's going to get canned over the summer due to a relegation clause. Yeah, I for mean, sure. If you're West Brom, you know you're going down. Um, you have nothing else to play for. Might as well let him finish the season out and then just restart on. July 1st. Yeah. I mean, and you avoid the payout because there'll be a relegation clause in Alan Party's contract. Right. FA Cup, which was the the more interesting fixtures, except for probably Liverpool's. Uh, First up. Um, Swansea nil, Tottenham three. Um, Lengthy, dumb, VAR delay um, confirmed that Human Son was offside. That was the talking point because seriously, Tottenham just actually played and Swansea didn't. Yeah, Swansea didn't, didn't even put out a, a full lineup. They were kind of rotated. The Fortress is on the lead, trying to stay up for next next season. Uh, Manchester United beat Brighton Hove Albion 2 nothing. I mean, it. No, no real surprises in the FA Cup, really. Southampton beat Wigan 2 0. Mark Hughes. We've already mentioned that sack from Stoke City earlier this year. Now signed down with Southampton. Just called Puel. No. Pellegrino. Yeah, Pellegrino got sacked. But Pellegrino got sacked because apparently 18th is a lot worse than 8th place. Um, so, uh, Martins is there. He could be the first coach to ever be relegated. Or have two teams that were relegated in one season and also did not out of the FA Cup twice in one season. <laughs> but... He could also win the FA Cup because after, the magic of the cup. After getting knocked out. Yep. Um, Lesser City lose 2-1 in added extra time. Uh, Pedro with a somehow diving header given that he's... He's so sh- tiny. He makes he's Mag- so tiny. He makes Miguel Ibarra look like... A giant? Yeah. Yeah. Like... Pedro is small. Like five and, foot six or something. And yet he's still got a diving header and... That's how Lester lost. Well, Ibarra had a diving header last year in his Colorado. But uh, great goal by Morata getting back to the score sheet. He had been without a goal in quite a bit of time. Willian, still one of the most underrated players in Premier League. He has been fantastic this season. Let's now move into a segment called They Don't Call It Soccer in brackets. Some do, though. We talk about the rest of the world's soccer that we haven't talked about already. First off, Bar has been officially cleared for use at the World Cup. A lot of criticism, a lot of weird stuff. Where do you guys stand on yeah, this? Yeah, some booing from every English supporter, even though they'll be knocked out in the first knockout round by penalties anyway. Yeah, it, it's not going to be VAR that does them, and it's going to be them being English. Um, <laughs> it, it, in all honesty, though, I, 
I'm concerned that this is going to be the thing that does VAR in. Like, if there's the continual errors that happen, they haven't done the rollout very well. It seems like referees are not well trained on it, and that seems to be the big reason that VAR has had so many high-profile issues and high-profile criticisms lately. I think you just got to rip the band-aid off. I think there are always going to be mistakes, and, you know, Jeff Hurst's goal... Uh, the hand of God, etc., etc. There's always going to be mistakes with VAR. At least you have the chance to pull some of those mistakes back. Maybe not all of them. Um, I don't think VAR causes more mistakes. Yes, it has short stoppages, but I'm willing to um, give those up to to get the chance of something coming back. They do fix this, or some of the some of the failings of VAR very easily. Just show the replay, or show what the referee is seeing on the big screen in the stadium so the, and have the ref explain his decision mm-hmm. after he's made it. It'd be it, a lot easier and a lot more fan service for VR to, and for the refs to do that. Uh, La Liga news, Real Madrid beat Girona 6-3, to three, uh, in a go- game in which Cristiano Ronaldo scored four goals. There was an interview with um, someone related to Real Madrid where Cristiano Ronaldo apparently made a bet with his teammates back in January that he would catch up with Lionel Messi for the La Liga Golden Boot. Um, he has since literally called it fake news. Do you guys know. remember when the season started, how people were saying that Barcelona were going to be the worst team in La Liga, or they have the worst season they've had in a long time, maybe be fourth place, third place, who knows. Turns out they're in first, and Atleti are now 11 points behind them in second place. So Barca having probably one of the most convincing seasons they've had in an extremely long time. Yeah, they've pretty much have the, the lead. They are, they're in the same position the Man City has been in for a few months now. Atletico had a chance to still keep it close. They lost 2-1 against Villarreal despite being 1-0 up in the 80th minute. You had some comedy in the A-League where in a game between the Melbourne Victory and Central Coast Mariners, the top left corner of the net came loose from the bar. The clips kind of fell off the bar. I think some nails probably came out or whatever. And the match commissioner refused to let play go on while there was a hole in the net. And so everyone was just standing around for a few minutes because apparently no one had a ladder, no one had any tape. Finally, tape was brought in by one of the, I think the trainers of the Melbourne victory. Uh, this probably nine-foot-high goalkeeper like held the net in place where the trainer applied tape to the sidebar. But then again, they were all standing around looking at the top bar, the crossbar, because nobody had um, was able to reach it. And then they had another guy named, I think, Castis, from Melbourne Victory come up, who's a very short player. The trainer literally lifting him up by the waist so he could reach and tape the top half of the net in so that play could finally resume. Extremely funny four-minute to five-minute uh, progression of events. You should go watch. It reminds me when I would play basketball with my dad on, like, short hoops, and he would lift me up so I could dunk it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it reminds me of most Australian comedy where it's four minutes where the humor is just you cringing the entire time that was that was pretty much it hey uh bundesliga news rb leipzig beat bayern munich 2-1 champions league hangover eh? a uh with one goal and one assist he's gonna be fantastic for liverpool next year can't wait Uh, speaking of liverpool they got drawn against man city in the champions league yeah um how are you feeling about that caleb huh how are you feeling I'm, i'm okay with it we beat them once this year already um, the one day we, we lost to him, we had a sending off. Before that sending off, we were looking pretty competitive. I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be a hell of a of a of a knockout stage. I think Man City has been as good as they were previously in the season. Maybe they're falling off. Who knows? Yeah. They have more games to play too with the FA Cup in the Europa or League. No, they don't. They're on the FA Cup. Never mind. In the Europa League, Arsenal getting drawn against CSKA in Moscow. I for How one, you feeling, Tom? Huh? How you feeling? Huh? How you um, feeling? Huh? I, I, right? Are you fine? You're I think fine. the fact that the first leg is in London is actually a drawback for the Gunners. And not necessarily that in the home leg, if Moscow needs to win, they'll be a little more galvanized. I think it's more the risk of them being down from the home leg and Cheska deciding to employ nerve agent, but whatever. <laughs> And I was hoping for an RB Leipzig versus RB Salzburg final. 
Just see what happens. I would really love I, that too. I would <laughs> love that. We know, Colin. Yeah. Arazin's ball sport up in this biatch. Um, let's now move into a segment that we call the Reynolds Wrap-Up, where Colin takes a soccer conspiracy theory you know you've been thinking about and makes sense of it for you. So Robert Glazer, one of the scions of the Glazer family that owns the um, Manchester United announced last week that he was going to hold a fundraiser for Donald Trump. So this led The Guardian to actually publish a quiz where he had to determine whether or not a quote came from Donald Trump or Jose Mourinho. I gotta tell you, it was a ridiculously difficult quiz. The only one that I got 100% right was the one where he said, I want George Clooney to play me in my biopic. Who said it? Mourinho? Surprisingly. Okay. Yeah. Because he's like... Interesting. My wife thinks there's a resemblance. Anywho. I mean, kind of. The hair's the same. Yeah. That's really it. The eyes are kind of similar, too. Um, But this also did lead me to realize something. Ever since Jose Mourinho came to Manchester United, he seems to have like a more furrowed brow than ever before. Like, he just seems to be scowling even more. And I couldn't quite figure it out. Until I also realized that when Jose Mourinho was fired from Chelsea, it was the exact same week that Donald Trump introduced the Muslim ban back in December of 2015. And Trump spent about two days kind of reveling in the people being racist and glomping onto his campaign before people actually said, hey, you know, maybe this was a terrible, terrible idea. We should get back and regroup for a week. Do you want to know what happened during that week? Something with George Clooney? No. Okay. So here's what happened during that week. Roman Abramovich, who had already been looking to get Jose Mourinho out and just kind of throw everything askew because he's a Russian oligarch, um, decided to fire Mourinho, but then immediately phoned up Bob Glazer, who had already been, by then, contributing to the Trump campaign. So he convinces Glazer that having Mourinho as the Man U manager would definitely suit the Glazer family's overall goals, worldview of having an asshole being in charge. Um... Moreover, he noted that some of Mourinho's strategic abilities were going to be a good fit for what Donald Trump was actually lacking on the campaign trail. So Glazer calls up Mourinho, says, I recognize that you have a non-compete for the rest of the season. I want you on the payroll so you can start up with Man U at the start of next season. Um, So he brought him up to Tampa and then also... During that time, Donald Trump actually came to Tampa instead of Mar-a-Lago. So they're sitting in a room. Glazer offers them some water, and it's drugged with morphine. Glazer then has a neurologist slice them open and swap out each man's ventrolateral frontal cortex. It's the area in the brain scientifically proven to guide strategic thinking that's right donald trump and jose Mourinho were both lobotomized and had that sections switched with donald trump it's obvious having somebody who has experience being guided by a russian oligarch you know draw your own conclusions however jose Mourinho's side it makes complete and perfect sense why he can't actually play people in their own formations, is constantly putting people against each other, and also that things have deteriorated because, you know, Donald Trump's brain's kind of got a bunch of the bacteriophages that eat away at your brain matter when you have syphilis. (laughs) So what happened to George Clooney's brain? Um, thankfully, it is safe. Okay, good. I was okay. worried about yeah. that. Good. Yeah, good. I mean, I, I think if it was lobotomized without his permission, his wife would have said, this is a human rights violation. Uh, she is pretty great. She is awesome. Yeah. All right, with that, it's time for us to say good night. Could you tell the good people where they can find you on Twitter, please? I'm at Olson 716 uh, also for 551 
yeah that's about it um you can find me at the attachments um i may be looking into uh more evidence of this lobotomy i will say i'm fairly certain that donald trump's scar it's underneath that uh comb over weave thing that he's got going on you can find me at TWO United Fans, and you can find this podcast and find podcast providers everywhere. Please don't forget to share with your friends and leave us a iTunes review. With that, we bid you goodbye. See you all next week. Feed me.